Welcome back to Bitterroot Bounce, the podcast for an audience of one. Um, we are utilizing this airspace to try to keep you, Yvonne Boudreaux, occupied while you bounce up and down the Bitterroot Valley in Montana. Today I'm reading a story. This is the second story. This is a story from a book called Collected Stories of F. Scott Fitzgerald by David Foster Wallace. Just joking. This is by F. Scott Fitzgerald. This is an author who I have not always been that thrilled with, although I know that oftentimes the subject matter of the era is interesting to you. And I also know that my grandmother, Grandy, with whom you had a lovely relationship, albeit brief, uh, was a very big fan of F. Scott Fitzgerald, and in fact, gifted me this book um, back in the day. So, this story is called Gemina, the Mountain Girl. I believe it was originally published in Vanity Fair, and I don't know the publish, uh, publication date. Anyway. Gemina the Mountain Girl. These, uh, as an aside, these have short intro notes, some of these stories, written by Fitzgerald. Gemina the Mountain Girl. Written like Tar Tarquin of Cheapside while I was at Princeton, this sketch was published years later in Vanity Fair. For its technique, I must apologize to Mr. Stephen Leacock, I have laughed over it a great deal, especially when I first wrote it, but I can laugh over it no longer. Still, as other people tell me, it is amusing I include it here. It seems to me worth preserving a few years, at least until the ennui of changing fashions suppresses me, my books, and it altogether. With due apologies for this impossible table of contents, I tender these tales of the Jazz Age into the hands of those who read as they run and run as they read. This don't pretend to be literature. This is just a tale for red-blooded folks who want a story, and not just a lot of psychological stuff or analysis. Boy, you'll love it. Read it here, see it in the movies, play it on the phonograph, run it through the sewing machine. A wild thing. It was night in the mountains of Kentucky. Wild hills rose on all sides. Swift mountain streams flowed rapidly up and down the mountains. Gemina Tantrum was down at the stream, brewing whiskey at the family still. She was a typical mountain girl. Her feet were bare, her hands large and powerful, hung down below her knees. Her face showed the ravages of work. Although but sixteen, she had for over a dozen years been supporting her aged Pappy and Mappy by brewing mountain whiskey. From time to time she would pause in her task, and filling a dipper full of the pure, invigorating liquid would drain it off, then pursue her work with renewed vigor. She would place the rye in the vat, thresh it out with her feet, and in twenty minutes the completed product would be turned out. A sudden cry made her pause in the act of draining a dipper and look up. Hello, said a voice. It came from a man clad in hunting boots reaching to his neck, who had emerged from the wood. Hi there, she answered sullenly. 
Can you tell me the way to the Tantrum's cabin? Are you in from the settlement down there? She pointed her hand to the bottom of the hill where Louisville lay. She had never been there, but once, before she was born, her great-grandfather, Old Gore Tantrum, had gone into the settlements in the company of two marshals and had never come back. So the Tantrums, from generation to generation, had learned to dread civilization. The man was amused. He laughed a light, tinkling laugh, the laugh of a Philadelphian. Something in the ring of it thrilled her. She drank off another dipper of whiskey. "'Where's Mr. Tantrum, little girl?' he asked, not without kindness. She raised her foot and pointed her big toe toward the woods. "'There in the cabin behind our parns, pines. Old Tantrum, where my old man?' The man from the settlements thanked her and strode off. He was fairly vibrant with youth and personality. As he walked along, he whistled and sang and turned handsprings and flapjacks, breathing in the fresh, cool air of the mountains. The air around the still was like wine. Gemina Tantrum watched him entranced. No one like him had ever come into her life before. She sat down on the grass and counted her toes. She counted eleven. She had learned arithmetic in the mountain school. A mountain feud. Ten years before, a lady from the settlements had opened a school on the mountain. Gemina had no money, but she had paid her way in whiskey, bringing a pail full of a pailful to school every morning and leaving it on Miss Lafarge's desk. Miss Lafarge had died of delirium tremens after years of teaching, and so Gemina's education had stopped. Across the still stream, still another still was standing. It was that of the doldrums. The doldrums and the tantrums never exchanged calls. They hated each other. Fifty years before, old Jim Doldrum and old Jim Tantrum had quarreled in the Tantrum cabin over a game of slapjack. Jim Doldrum had thrown the king of hearts in Jim Tantrum's face, and old Tantrum, enraged, had felled the old Doldrum with the nine of diamonds. Other doldrums and tantrums had joined in, and the little cabin was soon filled with flying cards. Harstrom Doldrum, one of the younger doldrums, lay stretched on the floor, writhing in agony. The ace of hearts crammed down his throat. Jem Tantrum, standing in the doorway, ran through suit after suit, his face alight with fiendish hatred. Old Mappy Tantrum stood on the table, wetting down the doldrums with hot whiskey. Old Heck Doldrum, having finally run out of trumps, was backed out of the cabin, striking left and right with his tobacco pouch, and gathering around him the rest of his clan. Then they mounted their steers and galloped furiously home. That night, Old Man Doldrum and his sons, vowing vengeance, had returned, put a tick-tock on the tantrum window, stuck a pin in the doorbell, and beaten a retreat. A week later, the tantrums had put cod liver oil in the doldrums still, and so, from year to year, the feud had continued. First one family being entirely wiped out, then the other. The Birth of Love Every day, little Gemina worked the still on her side of the stream, and Bosco Doldrum worked on his side. Sometimes, with automatic inherited hatred, the feudists would throw whiskey at each other. And Gemina would come home smelling like a French table d'hôte. But now Gemina was too thoughtful to look across the stream. 
how wonderful the stranger had been and how oddly he was dressed. In her innocent way, she had never believed that there were any civilized settlements at all, and she had put the belief in them down to the credulity of mountain people. She turned to go up to the cabin, and as she turned, something struck her in the neck. It was a sponge, thrown by Bosco Doldrum, a sponge soaked in whiskey from his still on the other side of the stream. Hi there, Bosco Doldrum, she shouted in her deep bass voice. Yo, jamming a tantrum, gosh dang you, he returned. She continued her way to the cabin. The stranger was talking to her father. Gold had been discovered on the tantrum land, and the stranger, Edgar Edison, was trying to buy the land for a song. He was considering what song to offer. She sat upon her hands and watched him. He was wonderful. When he talked, his lips moved. She sat upon the stove and watched him. Suddenly there came a blood-curdling scream. The tantrum, tantrums rushed to the windows. It was the doldrums. They had hitched their steers to trees and concealed themselves behind the bushes and flowers, and soon a perfect rattle of stones and bricks beat against the windows, bending them inward. Father! Father! shrieked Gemina. Her father took down his slingshot from his slingshot rack on the wall and ran his hand lovingly over the elastic band. He stepped to a loophole. Old Mappy Tantrum stepped to the coal hole. A Mountain Battle the stranger was aroused at last, furious to get at the doldrums. He tried to escape from the house by crawling up the chimney. Then he thought there might, not, there might be a door under the bed, but Gemina told him there was not. He hunted for doors under the beds and sofas, but each time Gemina pulled him out and told him there were no doors there. Furious with anger, he beat upon the door and hollered at the doldrums. They did not answer him, but kept up their fusillage, fusillade of bricks and stones against the window. Old Pappy Tantrum knew that as soon as they were able to effect an aperture, they would pour in and the fight would be over. Then old Heck Doldrum, foaming at the mouth and expectorating on the ground, left and right, led the attack. The terrific slingshots of Pappy Tantrum had not been without their effect. A master shot had disabled one Doldrum, and another Doldrum, shot almost incessantly through the abdomen, fought feebly on. Nearer and nearer they approached the house. We must fly, shouted the stranger to Gemina. I will sacrifice myself and bear you away. No, shouted Pappy Tantrum, his face begrimed. You stay here and fit on. I will bar Gemina away. I will bar Mappy away. I will bar myself away. The man from the settlements, pale and trembling with anger, turned to Ham Tantrum, who stood at the door throwing loophole after loophole at the advancing doldrums. Will you cover the retreat? But Ham said that he had too, that he too had tantrums to bear away, but that he would leave himself here to help the stranger cover the retreat if he could think of a way of doing it. Soon, smoke began to filter through the floor and ceiling. Shem Doldrum had come up and touched a match to old Jaffet Tantrum's breath as he leaned from the loophole and the alcoholic flames shot up on all sides. The whiskey in the bathtub caught fire. The walls began to fall in. Gemina and the man from the settlements looked at each other. Gemina, he whispered. Stranger, she answered. We will die together, he said. If we would have lived, I would have taken you to the city and married you. With your ability to hold liquor, your social success would have been assured. 
She caressed him idly for a moment, counting her toes softly to herself. The smoke grew thicker. Her left leg was on fire. She was a human alcohol lamp. Their lips met in one long kiss, and then a wall fell on them and blotted them out. As one. When the doldrums burst through the ring of flame, they found them dead where they had fallen, their arms about each other. Old Jim Doldrum was moved. He took off his hat. He filled it with whiskey and drank it off. They're dead, he said slowly. They hankered after each other. The fit is over now. We must not part them. So they threw them together into the stream, and the two splashes they made were as one. And that is Gemin of the Mountain Girl by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Funny enough, a random selection that also ended up having a whiskey still in it. And uh, that's a funny story. I'm interested in the... ridiculousness of the whole scenario and I wonder to what extent Fitzgerald actually had any knowledge of people who you know the actual human beings who do that kind of work it's um it's probably an argument to be made that there's it's a bit of a demeaning story and a bit stereotypical about so-called mountain people uh, that being said, it's it's a uh, kind of a funny story. It reminds me actually of having watched that episode of the tornado episode of 1883, where in the middle of the tornado, Elsa decides to get a big smooch to go for a big smooch while they're kind of riding out the tornado and it felt sort of equally comical to this settlement stranger and Gemina having a smooch in, in the middle of a whiskey still uh, sort of Romeo and Juliet Capulets battle Funny story, though. Glad I read it. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye.